I know that you want to make a difference, and I'm going to tell you how. You're on Top of the Mount with Darren Waddles. before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. The things that God has told you shall come to pass. The greatest revival in the history of the church. What an interesting way to start off the week. Tom Brady, right? I guess there's a good reason why they call him the GOAT. Jumped into a no-name team and boom, they win a Super Bowl. And not a good night, especially if you were rooting for the Chiefs. It was not a good night. <laughs> But uh, welcome back. You're on top of the mount. I'm your host, Darren Waddles. Today on the podcast, we have a very great guest that's going to give us wonderful insight because you name it, he did it. He knows how to get people involved and he has the knowledge and the tools to equip you in getting prepared for those campaigns ahead. But before we get into today's interview and today's discussion, I want to encourage you all to go and share this podcast with your friends. I know that there is a number of Pentecostals that would like to get involved politically. If not, just be a iron that sharpeneth another iron and equipped yourselves with new information and knowledge about what's going on in the world, politically, and how it affects the church. So please, share this with a friend, uh, throw this out on social media, leave a rating and a comment, it would be greatly appreciated. And if you haven't already, please subscribe and follow this podcast. You can also follow the podcast and all the updates with new episodes on Facebook, on our Facebook page, On Top of the Mount with Darren Waddles Podcast. In the words of our new press secretary, we're going to circle back to our discussion and our interview of today. Me and my guest, we will be talking about how to get involved politically. We're going to also talk about political history, about the two-party system, and how things have changed and the opinions of the parties when specifically looking at the church. 
we're going to be talking about the Constitution and constitutional rights and where the church belongs. And lastly, we are also going to hit a topic on secularization and how we need to protect our rights in a time when political factions and organizations are pushing to try and end religious practices and even prayer. So you with an ear, let him hear, because the interview starts now. Today on the show, I have a guest who will bring a voice of experience to our topic of political engagement. I know that experience is a word that is tossed around sometimes, but his resume truly demonstrates experience. He is by trade a quick-witted attorney and, and an amazing college professor, but has been politically engaged for over 40 years. He some may even argue more. <laughs> uh, That's right. He he was a college Republican during the Jimmy Carter years, a justice of the peace, and a state senator during the governor and President Bill Clinton years. He went on to serve as chief of staff under Lieutenant Governor Wynne Rockefeller during the Huckabee administration, then served uh, served the next uh, 12 years to become the longest serving Republican state chairman in U.S. history, whose tenure truly transformed his state party. Currently, he serves as the chief counsel to the Republican National Committee under the uh, chairwoman Romney McDaniel and a husband to and Arkansas Supreme Court Justice. I could go on, but listeners, trust me when I say our, our guest truly has experience. So without further ado, Doyle Webb, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Darren. It's, it's a pleasure to be with you tonight. Uh, Mr. Webb, uh, diving into the conversation, uh, you have a as I have already demonstrated, you have a lot of experience in many fields as a leader, an organizationalist, policymaker, strategist, and even a legal mind. But uh, for an apostolic audience that is trying to find their place in politics, could you tell us what engaged you and where did mm. you get your start? And did did involve a phone call from a well-known California governor? Mm. Mm. Well, you know, you know a lot about me, and you can kind of lead me. Uh, I got my start, really, to go way back. My mother loved politics, and I remember going out and campaigning with her, with her when I was four or five. But uh, my real thought to engagement became when I was in ninth grade civics, and we were studying various things. The Vietnam War was going on. President Nixon was president. Uh, and um, Governor Rockefeller had been elected governor of Arkansas, uh, the first Republican since Reconstruction. My family had been a longtime Democrat family, uh, but realized the corruption that was uh, experienced by the state and by people with a one-party state. And so our, our family became Republican. My aunt, um, was Governor Rockefeller's campaign manager in Saline County, that's Benton, 
which at the time was the strongest union county in the state. So it was a little remarkable that uh, some old time Sling Countyans that went back five generations would become Republican, but they saw a advantage to a two party system uh, in the state. Now I will quickly say that we became Republican not on philosophical reasons, but because of the corruption we had seen from one party domination. But to go a step further, that uh, I, I got involved when I was about 15 and then went to graduate from uh, college, graduated from law school. But while I was in law school, had the opportunity to run for delegate to the Republican National Convention in 1980. I was elect, I was the youngest delegate at 25 at the time. Uh, certainly from Arkansas, and the first delegate elected in the nation. Arkansas actually elected its delegates first that wow. year. And uh, I, I was elected as a Howard Baker delegate. He was a senator from Tennessee. He withdrew. And then one night I was sitting at my desk studying, and uh, the phone rang, and I said, hello, and the voice said, hello, and I I said, uh, this is Doyle Webb. And he said, well, hello, this is Ronald Reagan. And so out of the blue, uh, first off, I said, you've got to be kidding, because I figured it was some of my law school buddies uh, playing a prank on me. Uh, but it turned out it was really Ronald Reagan who spoke to me for about 45 minutes. Uh, as a young person, I asked him everything I could think of. And uh, as the uh, and he was calling to get me to, to commit to him because he was trying to get enough delegates to get the nomination. Well, as, as any young person, I said, well, uh, Mr. Reagan, could I have your phone number? I'd like to call you back because I might have more questions I need to ask you before I make a commitment. Uh, well, as it turned out, I did not. Uh, I actually committed to George Bush, George H.W. Bush. Uh, but then we all voted for Ronald Reagan when it came down to it, and the rest is history. Ronald Reagan and George H.W. Bush is vice presidential candidate, right. and we won that election in 1980. Well, uh, I, I guess uh, just just briefly, just to reiterate on that question, fabulous story, all, uh, by the way, um, but w with your involvement, what would you say to get... Um, with with your beginning, how how would you try to relate that on trying to engage um, new young uh, people? Period of either perspective or either persuasion. How would you get them involved in the political process? What what's well, I, I would want them. I, I would want a young person to think what's important in their life what's important in their lives. And then look at the uh, platforms of both the Democrat and the Republican parties, read up on those plat platforms, become educated. If, if you are pro-life, if you believe in the sanctity of life, uh, if you believe that the constitution says what it says and not what some judge says, uh, if you believe that the, the best government is nearest the people, uh, 
you know, uh, I think that you would find that one political party, which happens to be our political party, the Republican Party, would identify with who you are. Don't just look at the individual, look at the party platforms so you know what someone's going to advocate and how they're going to vote. If you believe in higher taxes, then you're probably a Democrat, okay? <laughs> if you believe the federal government has all the answers and can make your life better, you're probably a Democrat, you know? So you just look at those two. There's at one time, particularly when I got involved, the 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 parties were not that divergent, I did not think, in Arkansas. Southern Democrats and Republican, Arkansas Republicans were somewhat similar. But since that time, the social issues which really move us uh, will help you decide which party you should be active in and who you should be supporting. Okay. Uh Picking up on there, because that was actually the next question. Um, I'm ahead of you. Yeah. Hey, and that's good. That's great. Um, With what you've seen in your time working in politics within the two-party system ideologically, could you kind of share, I guess it's kind of not nice to say to or uh, to tell you to do it briefly, but uh, if you can, Uh, Could you share your thoughts on how the parties shifted since the 1970s and how their perspective towards the church, if you can, uh, has Mm. changed? Mm. That's a difficult challenge that you've asked me. Uh, I think that even historically, you can relate back. Republicans were more uh, faithful. They were more religious. They were more, if you will, Christian uh, than Democrats. Even if you, if you look back in the 1800s at the merging of the parties at that time. But I think that since that time, you have seen at one time, maybe the, the Republicans were more uh, the manufacturing, the wealthier individuals, uh, and the Democrats were more the working man and the unions. Uh, and I think that that's where you have seen a flip occur uh, with Reagan. We call them uh, Reagan Democrats. Uh, Now we might call them Trump Democrats uh, who became, saw the the individual thinking about the the strength of the individual, your personal beliefs, your personal faith, the respect of that by the Republican party. At one time that was not as clear as it is today. Okay. Uh, that, that's a pretty good synopsis. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. Uh, and artfully and tactfully done, by the way, as well. As always. <laughs> uh, and maybe I'll make an A. <laughs> we'll see. We've got a few more questions. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Uh, and this is something you also uh, kind of hit on uh, within your story growing up. Your family uh, was Democrat. Uh, but you, you had that ideological perspective. Uh, so the next question is, I, you know, I have not only just family, but I've spoken with many people within uh, the, my denomination, Pentecostals, who grew up as Democrats, voted for Clinton for governor on every election, even uh, for president. Uh, but they have been disenchanted here recently. Um, and again, I, I want to 
make a note that this podcast isn't partisan, but, uh, but would you think it is fair to say that the modern democratic platform has left those Christians behind? And how can such Christians on the right or left try to combat those policies? You know, I would, uh, to go back to the platforms, and I think you're asking that, if you read the Republican platform, one of the, particularly the state platform, uh, our first uh, point is a faith in God, okay, a faith in God. If you read the Democrat platform, you're not going to find so I, matter of fact, I'm not sure that you will find the word God in the platform. Uh, that's not to say there aren't Democrats that are Christian. That's not to say there aren't Democrats that are faithful. But when you look at the National Party and where the state party is heading, you, you see a party that is becoming sectarian rather than of faith. And in the Republican Party, you would see a party that has deep faith in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and certainly respectful of our Jewish brethren as well. Uh, that's one reason we applaud when we hear Trump talk about moving the embassy to Jerusalem, okay, mm -hmm. uh, the true capital of Israel. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but I think uh, look at the platform all Democrats are not atheists, uh, uh, but if you look at how we interpret the scriptures and the things that have been taught to us through the years in our churches, I think that you would find that the Republican Party stands more strongly and more clearly in that uh, category. And, okay, this this may be challenging because you're, you're more of the Republican persuasion, but let's let, I hope so. <laughs> let's say uh, for those listeners that they're disenchanted, but they're still on certain policies, they lean more Democrat, but they're disenchanted that the party that most represents them does not agree with their religious views, such as uh, their position on life uh, or let's just st stick with that one. Uh, how would you engage that person to try to change their party's uh, perspective? How, what ways would you say that they would have to go? What process would they have to go through? Well, I, I think that that individual would have to do, be very, uh, if, if you will, be very prayerful but B, you're going to have to find out, you're going to have to find out who you are, okay? I would say you're, you, you've got to determine who you are. Uh, is life, how important is the life issue? When does life begin, okay? And is it okay to terminate a life, okay? Uh, and is that not more important to you from a life point of view uh, than maybe a tax issue uh, or a, uh, a strength in, in the military or in a constitutional Second Amendment view. Uh, what is, uh, you, have to, you have to really do soul searching. What mm -hmm. is important to you? 
Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, what do, what, what do the scriptures say to you? What, what do they say? How do they direct your life? Okay. And uh, I think, I think that's how I would uh, have them to think about that. And not to, not to put you on the spot there, but thank you. Thank you for responding to that. Um, Yeah. uh, Moving on to a more constitutional question. Uh, we hear the phrase separation of church and state when discussing the First Amendment. Considering those freedoms of speech, religion, press, and assembly, where exactly is that line drawn of church and state, and where does the church body as individuals belong in modern politics? Well, I I think that this country... Uh, if we look back to the history of the founding of the country, the churches spoke of freedom and individual freedoms and the freedoms that we hold dear. And I think it's important that the church speak to those issues. Okay. Uh, You know, historically, the uh, Constitution really looked at a, and the, uh, the Bill of Rights not establishment of, a re- of religion. Uh, in other words, not a restriction by the federal government. Uh, the state of Virginia could require you to be an Episcopal, okay? Mm-hmm. That was okay. That was a state right. That has now been broadened. Uh, so I think we have, I, I think that if you elect Christians or people of your belief into government, they can't be separated from government. Right. Okay? Because they are the government. Okay. If, if you have people of faith, uh, they are the government. You know, we know that there was prayer at uh, Independence Hall. We know that Lincoln read the scripture all the time. Matter of fact, quoted it a lot in his speeches. So uh, certainly I wouldn't want uh, the federal government to declare that a particular denomination was the state religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but I think it's clearly in the Constitution that I should be able to pray that if we have large gatherings of individuals, we should be able to pray. And we allow that uh, with adult gatherings. We just don't allow it in public schools, uh, which is bothersome. OK, very mm-hmm. bothersome. Uh, so uh, I think I would draw the line at a clear uh, endorsement of a particular faith. Uh, I somewhat draw the line that it, it should be a Christian faith, okay? Uh, because I, I think that uh, we've gone a long way when we talk about uh, freedom of religion, uh, of, of uh, Hindus, of, 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 of different religions. I, re- I respect those religions, but I don't think that our country was founded on that belief, okay? I believed it. I believe our country was founded on a creator God. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, and I think I should, I think that's where I need to stop, okay? okay. I think yep. I may have defined it fine there, okay? Yep, thank you. Um, uh, now we're we're going to shift into our current situation uh, federally. We now have a new president. We have a new Congress, and uh, 
you know, that, that, that has, uh, there's a lot of questions everyone has now, granted, we're not going to be talking about the election that that's a can of worms. I'm not going to discuss on the podcast today. Uh, but, uh, with the swift executive measures from the Biden administration, and rumors of radical anti-Christian legislation being proposed in the Congress. Do they have the votes? And should the church be worried? And where does the, well, I guess this would be a follow-up. So I'll let you answer the the first two questions of where uh, should the church be worried? And uh, do they have the votes in Congress currently? And I guess the follow-up after that is, where does the federal judici- judicial system fall into this? Hmm. Hmm. You know, uh, unfortunately, I don't have a crystal ball okay. uh, to know the votes. I, I'm going to imagine that they have the votes in the House of Representatives, which mm-hmm. is dominated by the Democrats. I would hope that they don't have the votes in the, con- in the Senate, which is a 50-50 split. Mm-hmm. And with the filibuster, I'm not sure that they could get to the 60 votes. Um, I, I think the church needs to be speaking. Yeah, we just found out recently, just for the listeners' purposes, that we will keep the filibuster uh, currently. Yeah, so that takes t- 60 votes to cut off debate. I don't believe that there are uh, that number of Republicans or even some Democrats that would vote to restrict uh, our Christian faith uh, or faith period, okay? Uh, and once again, I wanna come back and, and say that, you know, we have, we have broadened it into broader faith than Christianity. I think that the, uh, I think, you know, we heard something back uh, with Trump about the, was it the Johnson Amendment that restricted uh, churches from speaking out on political issues for fear that they might lose their tax. I believe that's uh, right. And I, 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 I'm with, uh, I, I would side in a belief that we should, uh, that should be repealed because I think the churches should speak out uh, on any issue that they wish to speak out on. Okay. Once right. again, it's a cornerstone of our government, of our first amendment, the right of freedom of religion. And I think the church is a necessary group to speak out. Right. I mean, it's just, uh, just to add on to that, uh, you know, the church is just like any organization. If any organization is able to speak out on a particular topic, like certain unions, if unions are able to speak out on a topic, I, I agree with you that uh, the church should be able to speak out on. Uh, well, and you have, and you, when you look at the church, you not only have the freedom to, of speech, but you also have freedom of religion. You have a double protection in the right. First Amendment as well. Right. right. Um, so, um, before I give you the floor for your final thoughts on, uh, the situation, um, top three things that Christians in modern politics, we should keep our eyes on. What, what is Doyle Webb's, uh, uh, perspective on this? What are the top three things? I understand that you come from a more, uh, Presbyterian background, and this is more mm-hmm. of an apostolic, 
but I, I think when it comes down to Christianity, we can all agree on those top three issues. What do you believe are those top three issues we need to focus on? Well, one is uh, not restricting faith, not restricting uh, worship, not restricting the gathering of the faith community. Okay. Right. Uh, and I would imagine that you're talking about like what's going on in California with uh, their COVID regulations. If, if we want together, it's, it's our faith to be able together. Okay. Once again, it's in the first amendment. Okay. It's a, it's a cornerstone of our faith. Uh, I, I would watch just for incrementalism, uh, the taking out of under God uh, in in oaths that the Congress has tried to do, the secularization of society, the Mm -hmm. removal of prayer at certain events. You know, as Republicans, we always have prayer. Right. Uh, Sometimes it's uh, at the RNC. Sometimes it's led by a person of the Jewish faith, sometimes a Christian. We bow our heads and we we have prayer to God. Watch out for uh, churches needing financial support from the federal government, okay? Uh, Anytime the federal government uh, uh, gives financial support, it also gives restrictions, okay? So I would be cautious about that. So I think that's freedom uh, to worship as we please, when we please, where we please, and how we please, and the watch, in, watch out for the secularization of society and watch out for uh, a monetary assistance from mm-hmm. government. And that would include, I would like to see us get rid of the Johnson Amendment. Okay. Very good points. Very good points. Uh, which on your second point on the secularization, um, just just for the listener's sake, I, I find it interesting. And he, here in little old Arkansas, okay, um, that how drastic uh, small town Mayberry is compared to our bigger cities. Uh, for instance, in my hometown of Mountain View, where we can have a uh, county government meeting and we have the pledge and then we're preceded by prayer. Mind you, it, uh, run by the same party as what a Pulaski County meeting would have uh, on the mm-hmm. Democratic persuasion, but two different ideological perspectives where one county will permit prayer, but the other one takes a more secular route at it. Uh, so I guess that kind of circles back on the conversation uh, that that mm-hmm. is a true issue we do need to consider. It's these little things, but those little things have a bigger picture and a bigger impact on the communities. Yeah. I don't know how much time we have. Uh, we, but we, I will, we've got a few more minutes before we get I into the say that when I was When I was in elementary school, we were assigned different, different, it rotated around. We would read a psalm. Uh, before our school class started, and someone else would uh, lead us in the Lord's Prayer, and then we would do the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm-hmm. So that's where we have come from that, okay? And uh, then when I was in high school, we had a baccalaureate, which was a religious service 
before we had a graduation service in high school. So uh, that's where we've come from. But watch the secularization. Suddenly it gets to be what we're um, uh, used to, as, as Reagan would say, freedom is what? Only one generation away from extinction. Okay? Right. right. So. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Um, now, this is, this is my final thought segment. This is for you. You have the podium, and all my listeners, Pentecostal Apostolics listeners, uh, they'll be your students for today. So hmm. imagine, imagine you're back at UALR, and you're addressing your students for the next few minutes, uh, given the state of affairs of the church and politics, we've, which we discussed today, what would Doyle Webb's words of wisdom be to motivate and engage mm-hmm. students into the civic process for the first time and for uh, the purposes of the podcast? You are at full liberty. You have no restraints by the state to speak your religious mind. <laughs> well, you're very kind. Uh, You know, I I think what I would say is that you have to search your soul what is important. And you have to decide, am I willing to compromise my faith because of my friends or because of my government or because of a group? Okay. And don't yield to the pressure of groups. You know, you could be the witness that the group needs about your faith, about what's important to you. Uh, And this is a a democracy, a a democratic republic where each individual's thought is important. You never know how the Holy Spirit is working in you and through you to talk to others. Mm -hmm. And uh, let the Holy Spirit guide you and direct you Uh, and give you wisdom and to speak to the issues that are important to you and to the community. Sometimes you might be the only voice that can be heard on that particular issue. So have strength, have prayer, listen to the leadings of the uh, Holy Spirit, look to the gifts that God has given to you, and um, act accordingly. All right. That, that's very good, Doyle Webb, words of wisdom. You can take that to the bank. I don't think they'll give you a cashier's check, but still, nonetheless. <laughs> Thank you. Well, all that's sincere. Very sincere. I've yes. lived that yes. life. Yes. Okay? And uh, thank you for being on the podcast and sharing your knowledge with us. Um, now, uh, before we end it, um, Let's say we have a listener that really wants to get engaged. Is there a way in which uh, maybe not contact you specifically, but where would you tell them to reach out? I would would tell them if they wish to get engaged in the Republican Party to contact the state Republican headquarters, uh, 501-372-7301, ArkansasGOP.org. Ask them where is the local uh, franchise, okay? We have a franchise in every county, okay? So uh, get involved. And and let me say this. You're a young person. You may be discounted initially. But I will tell you, the party is hungry to hear the voice of young people. They're eager to uh, 
for your enthusiasm and for your work ethic. Uh, and don't expect to be the chairman of the committee right <laughs> off the bat. Okay. Right. It's going to take some time and you're going to have to prove yourself, but call that state Republican party, get involved at that local level. I did that uh, menial, ta menial task. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, that's what you, you do, but you can make a difference in everything you do. Well, thank you again. Uh, and uh, hopefully, hopefully this did impact someone uh, today and that it, it really motivates someone to get out there and get Amen. All right. Uh, again, thank you, uh, Doyle Webb, for being on the podcast today. It's been a pleasure. This has been a pleasure. Thank you for this opportunity. If there was ever someone that was knowledgeable about politics and government, you just heard from him. Every iota of this interview, I believe, was tactful and very heartfelt from uh, former chairman Doyle Webb. Granted, there was a lot of discussion on politics here in Arkansas, but you can implement same ideals, histories, political tactics in every location throughout the country. And they still ring true, especially when dealing with organizations and grassroots movements. And this is exactly the interview that I truly wanted to have, especially with trying to get us engaged in the process. I'm not saying that we need to... Uh, you know, necessarily need to join a political party, but it does get your foot in the door, especially getting to know issues that are happening, why people believe the way that they do, and where the votes are. So if you're wanting to get involved, I will uh, add the information that uh, Mr. Webb just mentioned in the podcast notes. And if you would like to get involved uh, in a political party or a different organization for grassroots purposes, just direct message me. I will try to get you the best contact that I possibly can for that. And if you have any more questions on this particular topic, I will try to put in more detail in an upcoming episode. So, here's what's happened in the news in politics here recently. So... As you know, if you've watched the news, ugh, the news, um, there is a record number of executive orders. I think we're knocking at the door with the Biden administration going on 50, which is nuts uh, when it comes to executive orders. I mean, presidents over time, you know, within their four, eight years in office can write up to a thousand, but going on nearly 40 within their first couple of weeks is <laughs> unprecedented. Um, also in the news, we have Trump and his second impeachment trial, which uh, as of yesterday at 1 o'clock, the Senate will convene and be in trial mode. And funny enough, the Biden administration is 
playing it low key and acting like they don't know nothing. Uh, <laughs> which uh, I guess that's a good political move um, because you don't really want to tack your administration to the last administration. Um, but, you know, I, I've listened to some commentators on this, um, and I kind of agree with some of them that just like Gerald Ford, even though it will cost you your presidency and will ruin your legacy. If you want to get stuff done, uh, the best thing to do is pardon the previous president. Now that is precedented. Also in the news, we have just found out, and the Biden administration openly admits it, Trump was right about China. They started off with a rocky uh, relationship with China coming into his administration. He tried as his own way. Turns out he was wrong and he openly admits and this is this is just priceless to me. I know this isn't a partisan podcast, but I just find it priceless. Um, especially after uh, the election we just had and where he starts railing on him on how he's uh, dealing with China and now he is backpedaling and openly <laughs> admitting that Trump was right on his policy with China, which they're now re-implementing. Um, so that's in the news. Moving on, uh, I haven't really done this in a long while, but uh, we actually have a competition of listeners from our various states. And here is our top five. At number five, we have where all the gold is locked up in a bank in Beverly Hills, California. At number four, we have the good old state of Washington, not to be confused with D.C. And at number three, now this is a struggle. This one's a struggle, and it's super close. It could have been number two. It was just recently dethroned the Buckeye State. O-H-I-O. And at number two, our new, back in its previous position, Tejas. Everything's bigger in Tejas. And at number one, my home state, and I thank you, and I challenge all the rest of you to try, number one, Arkansas. Uh, And a good runner-up for our top five list, in which y'all can do better. I know y'all can do better. The show me state, Missouri. Or, if you're closer to the Arkansas border and live in the Ozark Mountains, Missouri. Well, that's all for this podcast today. But be sure to subscribe, share this with a friend, leave a friendly comment and a rating, and you got questions and I got answers. Next week, we will have Pastor Donnie Copeland from the Apostolic Church here in North Little Rock, who happened to be a former state legislator and a multiple-time candidate. He's going to share his thoughts of how we need to get involved as apostolics. So stay tuned. And until next time, we will talk again on Top of the Mount.